0: what it do baby yes sir you know what it is It's another episode of time to jets right here on apple spotify amazon wherever it is that you happen to be listening right now appreciate you doing that please hit that subscribe button and of course if you wouldn't mind if you can please leave a five star review and a comment because we uh We always appreciate that. It keeps the lights on, as they say, and it keeps food in my young man, Duke's bowl. And we all know we don't want Duke going hungry over here. So please hook it up with those five stars. Okay. (laughs) Sorry to guilt trip you there, but have to throw it in sometimes. Have to make sure you guys are hooking it up because otherwise young man goes a little hungry. And I said it already. We don't want that happening. Uh, (laughs) and of course, uh, Hit me up on the Twitter machine, at ZooBeard77. Let me know your thoughts after, uh, you know, a couple of days of being able to digest this pathetic performance out of this team, a couple of days to just kind of simmer. And hopefully, hopefully you got a little bit of uh, patience and a little bit of um, a better outlook on things now because... Oof, that was that was it. That was a brutal ass-whooping, you know, just kicking your teeth kind of a game on Sunday. I mean, I heard Robert Sala, you know, and I mean, I heard a couple of players as well, specifically Morgan Moses, talking about how they didn't like the way that the score was run up. Robert Sala described the game as Alabama taking on, you know, scrub state. And, I mean, he didn't use the word scrub state, but I forget exactly what the team was. I think William & Mary. William & Mary. You know what I mean? Like, that's just an ass-whooping of a game in college. That's the, That was a college score that you saw. That was the college score of Alabama versus the team that they paid a million dollars to to come in and get their ass kicked. Unfortunately, that was in the NFL, and players were paid to put that performance forward. The coach was paid to put that performance forward. I apologize if I'm offending any of these Jets players when I say this, but shut your mouth. And if you want to not get scored on, if you don't want a 54-point game against you, if you don't want to be a laughing stock of the league, if you don't want to give up the fourth most points in team history, franchise history, the first 50-point game that has been given up by the franchise since before I was even born, I believe September of 1995 was when it was. It might have been October, but I believe it was September. And that's pathetic. There's nothing else to be said there. That's pathetic. You don't deserve any type of um, oh, I feel bad for you. No, you did that to yourself. You don't tell a little kid I feel bad for you or not a little kid, but you don't tell a kid when they get a failing grade on a test. Oh, I feel bad for you. No, you did it to yourself. Like, I'm sorry. That's just that is what it is. That's life. When somebody messes up at their job, they don't say people don't go to them, "Oh, I feel bad for you." They probably get fired or they get handed way less responsibility and way less opportunity. That's what it is. Enough, man, enough. Why why do we feel why am I supposed to feel bad for any of you guys? Why are you feeling sorry for yourselves? Come out and do something about it. I tweeted that out the other day. Do something about it. There's nothing to to complain about, like, seriously, there's nothing to complain about outside of the fact that, you know, there were a couple hits on Wilson that probably at least one of them should have got flagged just so that you let the Pats know, hey, watch what you're doing out here because, you know, we see that you're doing some sleazy stuff and you're trying to eh, maybe uh, eek the rules a little bit here and hit a little bit low or take a guy down and maybe, maybe you are trying to knock him out. But... That's all speculation, so please take that with a grain of salt, what I just said there. That's not anything besides speculation. But please, in terms of the Jets, just spare me with that. That's the only thing you can complain about is Zach getting hurt because the reps didn't do him a good job, but you guys didn't do him a good job. The O-line didn't do a good job. I mean, it's just there's too much there, man. You really should not be bitching and moaning about Getting your ass whooped by that much—I mean, it—it's just—it's ridiculous. And Robert Sala, like, yo, you say you wouldn't do that to another team, but you never know what happens, man. When a team can't stop you, when a team literally cannot stop you, what are you gonna do? You gonna take knees all game? Like, come on, man. Like, that's the problem I have with it. Robert Robert Sala's whining and complaining about that. He's like, oh, you know, I would never. I don't think I would ever do something like that. It's like, bro. You probably would, especially if the team's middle linebacker that you're playing can't make a tackle and he's getting run over every play. You know what I mean? Especially if nobody in the secondary is truly playing up on their receivers or on their assignment. So dudes are open for about five, six yards right in the middle of the field. Like that's what happens. You're going to get torched every single time. Every single time. And I said this last week in terms of Matt Ryan doing it because he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing out there and he's a great quarterback. You played Mac Jones this week and he did the same thing to you. And there's no excuses for it this time. There is no, he's a former MVP. There is no, he's played in a Super Bowl. This kid is a rookie. He's the same as Zach Wilson and he whooped your booty all over the field. He made you look like just the worst thing that anybody has ever seen in the NFL. That's what he did. He's a rookie. Should feel ashamed. Not going around talking about they shouldn't have put up more points. That's so ridiculous. I can't even talk and give any daylight to that any more than I already have because they are way more, they're way bigger fish to fry right now. And just getting on that, the team for feeling sorry for themselves, it, it, it ain't the one right now. Because Zach Wilson, as we said already, is out. He's not going to be playing this week. He will not be playing in the Thursday night game in Indy. Thank God. Um, But there is a chance that they're saying that he might be back in just three weeks to take on the Buffalo Bills. And I got to tell you, everybody listening, You can tweet at me all you want, at ZooBeard77. Let me know if you agree, disagree here. But there is no chance in hell, no chance that I am putting this man, Zach Wilson, back versus the Buffalo Bills. I am not doing it. Why would you ever put him in that situation after you've seen what this offensive line can't do? Because I would say what they can do, but they really can't do anything. Outside of George Fant, who, I mean, He had a little scare on Sunday, so you don't know where he's at physically. I mean, outside of him and Vera Tucker, who has been getting better, he's still a rookie at the end of the day, so you can't put too much on him. But he's been getting better. Outside of those two, I mean, Morgan Moses has been solid as well. But this offensive line has been giving up a lot of pressure, a lot, throughout the entire season. So to put Zach Wilson back in there versus, in my opinion, the best defensive line in the entire NFL, and I don't think it's even close. I mean, you're talking about dudes that could start on every team. They got eight guys on that defensive line in Buffalo that could start on every single team in this league, in my opinion. Every single team. That's scary. That should be something you're taking account of when you're looking at uh, bringing a player back, especially a young quarterback who is recovering from a PCL injury. So he's not going to be moving around that much. You're going to try to keep him from moving around way too much and putting himself in a situation where he can injure it a lot easier. But putting him in that game in general is making that happen. You can't have him in there. So the idea that he'll be back in three weeks, I think, is uh, Fugazi. I think the sweet spot is four weeks, Miami, at home, I mean, and Miami's not, not a slouch team. They're nothing great, but listen, they're at least putting up competitive games week in and week out and their defense is doing some stuff like you got to watch out, man. The the reason Miami's struggling is the same reason that we're struggling. Their offense is pathetic and their quarterback does not look like he can play in this league. And I just said that about Tua Tugavailoa. And honestly, you could say it about Zach Wilson right now, too, because he doesn't look like a player that could play in this league through what he has put on film so far. He has a couple of moments. He's had a couple of flashes, but he's getting creamed a lot. He's not I mean, he's not completing easy throws. He can't really throw out of the pocket because he just his mechanics are not built for throwing out of the pocket. And he's also very short. Not that that should matter because we've seen Kyler, we've seen Russ do it over the years. But, I mean, there's a reason why it took so long for guys like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray to get to this place. There's a reason why. It's because people did not get there before. Sorry about that. I had a little alarm go off for a second. I apologize. Um, But, yeah, no, to get back on track, I mean, there are questions to be had about Zach Wilson, And I think this weekend is really, I don't think I know that this weekend and potentially Thursday night against the Colts next week, those are going to be two opportunities for us as a fan base and for this coaching staff to kind of evaluate Zach Wilson, his fit to this offense. And honestly, in my opinion, we can really evaluate Mike LaFleur during this time because, listen, Mike White, He's a quarterback. He's a dude that can do some things. I mean, let's be honest, though. It's Mike White. He's not going to win you a game, and he's probably not going to be doing anything spectacular for you during a game that's going to, you know, I don't know, just impress you in general. We'll see. I mean, the kid's playing for uh, the kid. He's like my age. The guy's playing for his career, and any person that gets put in this situation, you should look at them a little bit differently because it is an opportunity for them to solidify themselves as a guy who can play in this league. So, I mean, there is that. But, like I said already, it's Mike White. So, Mike White, he'll be starting at QB this weekend. This is an opportunity for us to see if the problem with Zach Wilson is the fit into this system. And that's terrifying to think about because we've been through seven weeks with Zach preparing as the starter, including the training camp and preseason, or not including, but that's also part of it. And they did not make any type of adjustment. They did not do anything to change. So if the problem here is that Zach Wilson is not a fit, then, I mean, one, that's going to be really tough to sell to the fans that this is going to work out. I can't imagine that it will, especially if you're, decide- if you're planning on keeping Mike LaFleur around here because Mike LaFleur hasn't shown any type of ability to adapt to Zach. Because if, he- if Mike White goes out there and has a decent game and the Jets score in the first quarter and they make some plays happen and... You know, they still lose by 20, but they score 21 points. Like, that's going to be something that we're talking about on Sunday. That's going to be a massive talking point for the next two, three weeks until Zach Wilson gets back on the field. Because we're going to be wondering why the hell, why the heck can't this team, can't this coaching staff put together a game plan for Zach Wilson that will put him in a successful place. And if the answer is that he's not a fit into the system, then the system is a joke. You drafted this kid at number two. You drafted him at number two. You invested that into him. You don't just go, oh, he's not a system match. Screw it. You don't do that. And Mike LaFleur needs to know better as a guy who has been in this league, as a guy who was tasked with being Zach Wilson's confidant, his His, I mean, mentor, to be completely honest with you, once, unfortunately, Greg Knapp passed away, Mike LaFleur took that over. They didn't bring in a veteran quarterback, which (laughs) we can talk about in a second, but they didn't bring in a veteran quarterback. They didn't go out and get another QB coach with a lot of experience. They just said, all right, Mike, it's your job. You take care of it, bud. We trust you. A rookie offensive coordinator, you gave that to. You don't even know what this guy can do. They gave him the full-on keys to Zach Wilson. And so far, he's hit that thing into five poles and smacked it into the back of a car while he was trying to parallel park. So it ain't looking too good. It's not looking too hot for my guy, Mike LaFleur. And honestly, I think this would just be the icing on the cake for me as, you know, for me just in general, like, it, it, it would be I would be done with Mike Lefort completely. I'm already there right now, and I I think you guys know that just based on the way I've been talking about him since. I mean, honestly, the Carolina game, but it's getting to a point now. We're getting to a head. We're getting to listen. Zach's hurt. You got Zach Wilson hurt, one way or another. You know he's looked terrible, and now he's out. That's that's just. That's that's not good. That's not good look for the offensive coordinator who's calling terrible plays and just not getting his job done. This offense ranks last in the league in pretty much every offensive category that is kept accounted of outside of QB pressures. And there's there's just nothing here. There really is nothing here and but now maybe there is something here because Joe Douglas, the wheeler and dealer that he is, went out this week and made a move. And you might have seen it. You probably did see it. But Joe Flacco is a New York Jet once again. And, I mean, you want my honest opinion? Who cares? Just don't play him too much because here's the catch. You traded a six-rounder for him. That's a conditional six-rounder. It can be upgraded to a fifth, depending on the playing time. So please, for the sake of God, unless Josh Johnson and Mike White both go down, do not put, do not put Joe Flacco in any game. I think the reason you bring Joe Flacco in here is to help Zach Wilson learn how to be an NFL quarterback. And you better pray to the Lord that Flacco does a better job with Zach Wilson than he did with Sam Darnold. Will that happen? Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, I I have my doubts. I have serious doubts because I've already seen Joe Flacco operate as the veteran quarterback. But to grade this trade, I have to give it a D because it's terrible. It's not a great trade. It's just something you did. You brought in a guy that you could have signed this offseason. You gave up draft capital to bring him in. You could have had Joe Flacco. There's no reason you let him out of this building except for what we're hearing is he didn't fit the system. So now all of a sudden he fits the system? No. You know why you brought him in? Because you needed to bring in a legitimate veteran onto this team. Josh Johnson is not a legitimate veteran. I mean, it's honestly shocking to me that Josh Johnson is still in the NFL. It's mind-blowing, to be completely honest with you. And it doesn't make sense. I mean, maybe he'll, maybe he's on his way to becoming a coach, and teams like having him around. Maybe he has that type of personality. I, I I just don't get Josh Johnson. I don't get why he's here. You you have to go out and trade for Joe Flacco. He can't play the backup position. He's obviously not a good enough you know mentor to be sitting as a third stringer that you don't give reps to. It, it's crazy. It is crazy to think that that Joe Douglas is hitting the panic button, or maybe not the panic button, but recognizing the faults in everything that he's done this offseason and trying to correct them, or at least put some type of a bandage on it. And it ain't going to work. And the reason you get Flacco isn't to win games. I don't know why anybody even is like trying to act like that's the thing. Like Flacco's coming in here, and he's going to be playing big minutes. Like, I don't believe that's going to happen. I think he's here strictly to have a veteran in the room, a veteran who knows what the heck they're doing, a veteran who has played in Super Bowls, and a veteran who knows how to win games, regardless of if that's what he's going to be doing for this team, because that doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter if this Jets team wins. Just go out there and look competent and get your young quarterback back and make sure he looks better when he gets here. You have to use these weeks of Zach being hurt to teach him more of the mental side of the game, which I think has been an issue for him. Getting the ball out quick, finding your reads, what exactly you want him to do in this offense. And I think it's also a time for Mike LaFleur to sit down and go, how can I make this offense tailor to Zach Wilson? You don't have to build the offense around him. He's not Lamar Jackson. It's it's not Kyler Murray. It's not, you know, Ryan Tannehill, guys like that where they have different skill sets. And you need to, okay, I need to incorporate what they do well into what we do because without doing that, they're not the star quarterback they are. Zach Wilson and his arm is the show. But you need to make sure you're getting him in the spots where he is Where he is in the right place To make the right throw And the right decision He's 21 years old 22 years old You have to be able to help this kid out He's not ready to be given the reins to a franchise Like Aaron Rodgers is He's not ready for that He's not ready to be Patrick Mahomes That's not where he is in his career Even though he has talents That can get him there Or upside that could be that He's not that yet. He's not even close to that yet. He probably shouldn't even have even started the year. He probably should have been the backup. If we're being completely honest, because he's small and you knew, you knew this kid was going to have a learning curve and you threw him out there to the lines with a terrible offensive line. And this is what happens. Your first couple of games are rough. You get hit a lot. Your confidence goes down. You try to make big plays after that because you're trying to make up because you're young, and you don't get that. It's a long haul. You need to hit these short passes. Start making good, smart decisions because that'll keep going. That'll keep helping you through your career. That's what was never instilled into this kid because of how bad those first couple of weeks were. I... I don't get how these coaching staff can be this bad. I really don't. I, I just don't understand it. And I put that blame and I put a lot of blame on Joe Douglas because Joe Douglas, listen, Joe Douglas has had time. I'm I'm sorry to offend Joe Douglas fans. He has two drafts that are abysmal. His free agent signings, some have been humongous hits because they have been very under-the-radar, good players who have been picked up and ended up overachieving huge, huge for this team. Like, listen, Jonathan Franklin Myers and that contract that they just signed him to, solid. That's a good, it's a solid pickup. Those are the types of guys that, yeah, you can give him credit for. Bryce Hall, late draft pick. Give him credit for that. But to miss so many times and to set this team up the way he did, the arrogance to put this team together the way he did, because I'm tired of saying anything else. I'm tired of giving excuses for anything. It's arrogance. You you thought you were smarter than everybody else by having guys like Greg Van Rotten on this offensive line and Connor McGovern and saving a couple of shekels there because you don't want to overspend 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 on the damn O line i mean we didn't need to sign carl lawson to a ridiculous deal i'm and i i haven't said anything about carl lawson all year and i mean listen the guy i hope he gets healthy and he gets back on the field for this team but listen to me there was no reason we had to give him a ridiculous contract if that inhibited us from going out and bringing in a legitimate offensive lineman, an interior offensive lineman, because that's a joke. If that's the case, Robert Sala can make dudes work on that defensive line. You're seeing it right now to go out and have to get him somebody. When you have such a glaring need with Greg Van Rotten and Connor McGovern on this line, even from last year, neither of them had good seasons. You saw this. You allowed this, and now we're here. Now we are right here with an injured quarterback, which was the absolute doomsday of this season. And all of us fans, and honestly, a lot of the coaches are probably sitting around going to themselves, what the hell do we do now? What the hell are we supposed to do now? How am I supposed to evaluate any receivers? How are you supposed to evaluate this offense? They're question marks now. And you got Mike White running the show. No offense to Mike White, but he's Mike White. I'll say that all day, every day. Cause it's reality. Oh my gosh. And I mean it really doesn't get it doesn't get any worse than that. I mean Joe Douglas Joe Douglas, man, Joe. You gotta be better. You gotta be way better than what you've been and you haven't been so far. And that's why, in my opinion, it's not going to happen this offseason because the guy's got a ridiculous contract. He was given a six-year contract off the gate. So he's going to have another year, and Salah's going to have another year. Mike LaFleur might not, but those two are definitely going to be together, Salah and Douglas. But let me tell you, if it doesn't work out after this offseason, he's gone. That's it. Because this is this is too damn long. This is four years. If you were a college coach, this would be a full cycle of players. And what, what I mean by a full cycle of players means that you recruited a kid, freshman, already graduating. That's what that means. You went through a whole four years of a player's career, and this, this culture, this everything is still crap. Ain't good. It ain't good. And, I mean, he's going to have another big opportunity this offseason because, listen, you got money to spend. You're going to have a little bit of change to spend this offseason. you got to go and get vets on this offensive line. You have to go and get a tight end here. Those are two absolutely primal things to pick up in this offseason. But there's also an NFL draft that the Jets are potentially going to have two top ten picks in. I mean, Seattle... Don't look now. Ayo, hey, Seattle. Gino Smith ain't looking too hot for you guys out there. And that's my boy, Gino. You know, West Virginia, Jet. I mean, what else could you ask for? But you know what? He sucks right now. And I love every second of it. I'll watch Seattle lose every week because right now, their pick is sitting at number eight. And listen, when Russ comes back, it ain't going to stay like that. So please, we need to watch every Seattle loss we can at this moment because you don't give those back so when we're sitting here at the end of the year and hopefully we have a pick in the top 15 from seattle i'll be feeling pretty good i'll be feeling pretty good about that because there's some dudes in this draft let me tell you i got four guys for you and i'm going to start doing this every week on the on the episodic podcast on the wednesday thursday podcast here on time to jets i'll make sure that i you know include four prospects for you to keep an eye on throughout college football and however you want to do that you want to check out highlights you want to check out a game I mean do what you got to do but these are dudes that you need to know who they are coming into the draft this season and I will start off this week with some of the just main people to keep your eye on early draft picks you know the the essential high water marks of this draft and you can't talk about this This year's NFL draft, without talking about Kayvon Thibodeau, the guy is a beautiful pass rusher out of Oregon. Oregon's having a good year. He's a stud, quick, you know, moves nice off of the end, strong. But here's the thing with Thibodeau: doesn't have great hands yet. He's not really. He doesn't do a lot of moves outside of trying to just rush around guys. He's a really skilled play. I mean. Really skilled, just speed rusher, but he's not a guy who's a skilled pass rusher fully yet. I th- that's somebody who is, you know, he's gonna come in and help, and especially if you get Carl Lawson back next year, you'll have him, Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson on that line together, causing a lot of chaos. But I kind of feel personally that Thibodeau would be a little bit of excess at that position. However, go check him out. Let me know what you think at ZooBeard77, just like you should with everybody else that I'm about to name. Second up here, we got young Notre Dame safety, Kyle Hamilton. And I love Kyle Hamilton. I think he's probably going to get picked between that number two, number five spot. I mean, this is a guy who he's a ball hawk. He just gets how to play the safety position And he's so young that it's crazy to think that he's at that level already. If I had to give him a comp, it's no doubt it's a guy like Ed Reed, who's just making plays, making big hits, always getting his hat on the ball. And, I mean, listen, if you're going to trade Marcus May, if you're going to kind of redo that safety spot, It's not a bad move to just go and get Kyle Hamilton early on in the draft and stick him back there and let him go to work for the next, hopefully, 10 years, but most likely five. (laughs) Because let's be real, we're talking about the Jets. We don't re-sign first-round picks here. We don't re-sign any picks here. But most importantly, we don't re-sign (laughs) first-rounders. Third up, again, another top pick here. And I'm looking at a young man from LSU devin stingley and stingley listen he's getting foot surgery or he got foot surgery he's out for the rest of this year that's something to consider going into the draft but depending on how he comes out and all the workouts the combine i mean he's a guy who just like uh bryce hall he might drop a little bit i mean he could go anywhere from number two to probably number ten so Devin Stingley, I think, would be the guy you go with here if you're looking to just beef up that corner spot and keep it young. I mean, I wouldn't personally bring in Stingley just because there are so many young guys at the corner spot for the Jets right now. I think they need to add a veteran over there this offseason more so than they do another early pick who's going to – I mean, he's not a developmental piece because he is a really good player coming out to shoot – but he's gonna have a learning curve his first year, and you can't predict what that's gonna be like. So it's hard for me to say you draft that kid and just stick him into that secondary and somehow you're improving. Like there need to be there need to be improvements next year. You only have so many years of a rookie quarterback on that contract before he starts asking for big money. You can't waste that by putting big time prime positions with rookies as well. The cornerback spot is one that needs to be addressed through free agency. So while I like Devin Stingley as a player, I don't think he fits with this team and where they need to go right now. But keep an eye on him because he is a guy that could be drafted early on. And finally, number four for this week in the final, final guy to keep an eye on early on in the season, the first time we're doing this, and we'll have a better name for it next week, not the guy to keep an eye on, although that could work. But number four is young Tyler Linderbaum, center out of Iowa. And I hope I hope you guys can already feel my excitement for this young man because, listen, he can ball out at the center spot as much as a center can ball out. This is the guy you need to get in this draft. You have to target him. Now, unlike the three guys I named in Thibodeau, Stingley, and Kyle, this is a dude who will probably be around in the teens. He will probably be around in the double-digit picks. I see him going anywhere from 6 to 15. Um. Linderbaum is exactly what you want, a steady presence in the center of that offensive line who is consistent with what he does. You can put him next to Vera Tucker, who's going to have a year under his belt. He's going to be ready to go. I think Vera Tucker next year, that's the year where he takes a jump. You You go out and you sign a veteran to play right guard next to him, and you got your center, I promise you, I promise you, you have your center for the next 10 years. You have Nick Mangold. That's who this kid is to me. That's the type of foundational piece that he is to me for this team. Get, make sure if you're Joe Douglas, you are drafting this young man, Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. Because if you don't, if you don't, I'm willing to say that, uh, that in and of itself would be enough for me to, uh, not consider you coming back for that fourth and fifth year of this contract okay that's that's just me personally go check these guys out though let me know what you think on twitter at zoobeard 77 i mean and another thing you can hit me up with on there is of course the trade deadline which is coming up next tuesday i will do an episode of the podcast post trade deadline once, once the actual deadline hits, which I believe is 12 o'clock, but I will double-check and tweet out that answer. Once that's over, though, I will have a pod coming out for you pretty quickly after that just to make sure that um, we cover everything. And, of course, next week we have the Colts game, which is going to be a Thursday nighter. So keep an eye out on Thursday for the pre- and post-pods. Um, but enough of that... Uh, clerical work to get through there we shall dive right back into what i was saying was the trade deadline and this team making moves and joe douglas again let's make some moves get rid of everybody who will not be a part of this team going forward jamison crowder probably marcus may i mean tevin coleman is dealing with a little hammy right now but if he can be on the field this weekend you move him as well you got to get stuff back for guys who aren't going to be here, and this team needs to open up positions for guys to play. You get rid of Crowder because then you can stick in Elijah Moore and let him go. You get rid of Marcus May because then you can let Ashton Davis and a couple other guys just get a ton of reps and see what these dudes have. That's why you make these moves. Tevin Coleman just opens up the backfield more for Michael Carter to get carries, and honestly, you get Ty Johnson a couple more too because you're still taking a look at him. You have to make moves there's these guys aren't part of the future they're not part of the present there is no present really the present is a joke (laughs) I mean we're living in the future right now if we're Jets fans and if you're a Jet player as well so get these guys on the situations that they can enjoy they can be part of hopefully championship teams like big old Sheldon McClendon my guy sent him over to Tampa got him a rental car he drove right on over there from Miami That's a real one. Good for Sheldon. I hope that same thing can happen for somebody this week uh, in terms of Marcus May or perhaps even, uh, you know, Jameson Crowder. Jameson Crowder especially because that's a guy who I think deserves a nice little Super Bowl ring. But it won't come with the Jets, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Just quick, quick couple of things to wrap up the show today before we head out. And I know it's getting a little late. I appreciate y'all sticking with me here until the end. But a uh, little injury news here: we got a couple of dogs returning to practice. We got Gerard Davis fully getting back into practice. I mean, I liked seeing this name on there, Brayden Man. That's our that's our stud. That's our all pro right there, all pro punter baby. That's what we do at the Jets, Brayden Man, back in practice. And of course, Kyle Phillips on that D line. This is. Good, uh, good guy to have back a guy that I want to see in this system work. So that's good to see a couple of dudes who definitely are going to make an impact when they are eligible or not eligible, but fully ready to return into the games. I mean, there's a chance that they're all back on Sunday. So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye on the Twitter for any updates there. Uh, also bad injury news jamie and sherwood who you know we we kind of let him have it a little bit the other day it wasn't his fault but the guy really isn't an nfl player at this point in time unfortunately during that game and maybe part of the reason why he looked so bad he had an achilles oof he 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 ruptured his achilles so that's That's awful. You never want to see that for a rookie player, especially a kid who had as bad of a game as he did last week. It's just it's terrible. It puts him into a bad place, and now you're talking about a long, long recovery for him with no guarantee of anything to come back to. Uh, That's the life of an NFL player. I hope for his sake that this team keeps him around because going out there and doing what he did with the Achilles injury it shows a lot of heart, and I got to give him a lot of credit for that. Although the results weren't there, the results were terrible. He still gave it to you. He still worked. And this is going to be a guy who's motivated, who's going to put in a lot of work. And honestly, if I see Jamie and Sherwood on the Jets next year and he added 20 pounds, he could be a legitimate linebacker in this league. He has the speed, he has the ability, he has the just nose for the ball. I mean, and that could have been him getting targeted by the pats but he still made he still was around plays even if he wasn't able to make them so cheers james hopefully you're back quick speedy recovery wishing that for you you know prayers up for you my man nothing but positive vibes your way going forward on this recovery and whether it's with the jets or not hopefully we see you back in the league But with that being said, I think uh, I've said all I need to say. So just quickly remind you, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon to the Time to Jets podcast. Um, Of course, hit us up with that five-star review. Like, you know, whatever it is, comment. We appreciate it. Duke appreciates it too. He just finished a little bit of his snacko right now. So he definitely thanks y'all for that. And I thank you guys for listening and hanging with me throughout this entire, entire episode of Brutality, losing Zach Wilson. We'll figure it out Sunday versus the Bengals, though. Hit me up on Twitter, at ZooBeard77. You know what it is, baby. Your boy, Big Zoo. It's about that time for me to jet. And without further ado, peace.